0: I don't, I don't know what you came in the room with, but the one thing we want you to know is this is a room full of people who were exactly like that song described, um, full of darkness, um, slaves to sin. And, and it wasn't because of our own doing or our uh, willpower or our ability to clean ourselves up that we gained right standing with the Lord. It was 100% because he... He, Jesus Christ, stepped out of heaven and bore our sins. He lived the perfect life that none of us could or would do. He went to Calvary to the cross to die for our sins. And then he rose again to give us victory over sin. And it is 100% all about him and not about us. So if if you came in the room this morning thinking, um, yeah, I'm, I'm apprehensive about coming in here because I'm not clean enough or I haven't done enough or I did this yesterday or last week, You're in a safe place. Because the only thing we would ask is that during this morning, you just lay that before the Lord with no expectation that you do or be anything other than at the Lord's feet. Um, So again, we're doing something a little different this morning. Um, Normally we go verse by verse through books of the Bible, and we are right in the middle of the book of Matthew. We've been studying it for several months, and we've got several more months to come. But The church leadership just felt led by the Lord to press pause on that and take an intentional season uh, the next five weeks of just saying, what does it look like to seek God's face? And so we're going to be intentional about that. This morning is not a sermon. This is going to be a brief devotional time. Um, And then we're going to have an extended time of prayer and worship. The one request I would make is that during this, you don't approach the the few minutes of what I'm going to talk about from an academic standpoint, from a, let me just listen to the points, but that you would really tune your heart to what the Lord might say to you. Um, What might he have for you this morning? Um, By way of announcements, normally we have two or three things in here that we're going to highlight this morning. I think we have 365 days worth of things for you to pay attention to. So again, if you want to know what's happening at Safe Haven, just look in here. It's going to be ways that you can pray and engage. If, if you want to connect at Safe Haven, there are a ton of ways here because every item on this list requires people to serve, to plug in, to give their lives away. Um, so I'd ask that you would join us in, in serving here and in praying about these, these various things on the list. So again, last week we talked about it and decided to kick off the, the five weeks of Uh, what does it mean or what does it look like to seek God's heart? Um, And before we get in the text, I'm just going to ask that you would bow your heads and pray with me. So Heavenly Father, this morning as we come to your word, and so we spend a few minutes just asking some questions about what does it look like to seek your heart. My prayer this morning is that you would just quiet our hearts, that you would block out the noise, the distractions that we came into the room with the the unmet to-do lists the unanswered anxieties those things pressing in on us that you would just as you've silenced the storms that you would just say shh peace be still this morning would you do that to our hearts would you calm them would you draw us to you Would you let us experience you this morning in ways that we never have? And it's for your glory and your name that we pray. Amen. So as we start talking about what does it mean to seek God's face, the topic that we're on this morning, I just want to start out with, if if we follow these things or if we don't follow them, it has absolutely nothing to do with God loving you more. Or you being any more accepted by Him. So whether you, you do it or don't do it has nothing to do with, with gaining more of God's love or more of His acceptance. But, but I want to ask a question this morning. If, how many of us, if we're honest, would say, I feel a deficit in how I experience the love of God? Um, I believe there's more there that I'm just not experiencing. I'm not content. If, if that's you, would you raise your hand? Higher. If it's you, I really want to see your hands. And so I want, keep your hands up. I want you to look around and see um, you're in good company. Um, as brothers and sisters, as a family safe haven, that's where we are. There are so many of us that that know or hear about the love of God, and yet there's something we're discontent, there's there's more that we crave there. And so what we're going to talk about this morning is is, is a rhythm that will hopefully and prayerfully help us lead to more of that, to more of experiencing God's love. And and we're going to look at that by looking at probably a, a spot that you would think is somewhat unlikely, the Ten Commandments. So if you would, open your Bible. It's not going to be on the screen, but open your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 5, starting in verse 6. I'll give you a second to turn there. Deuteronomy 5, starting in verse 6. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is on the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth you shall not bow down to them or serve them for I the Lord your God am a jealous god visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who of those who hate me but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who keep me and keep my commandments you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain and then our key text for this morning, verse 12, observe the Sabbath to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall, you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates, that your, that your male servant, your female, female servant may rest as well. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. So, so why pick a passage like this as we're opening up and kicking off the idea of seeking God's heartbeat? You know, the Ten Commandments, we're all very familiar with them. Don't have idols, don't take the Lord's name in vain. Don't murder, don't commit adultery, honor your father and mother, and so on. But hidden there in the middle is a little gem that I believe we all too often just gloss over. It's almost as if we say, oh, that's cute. That's, that's such a sweet little idea, but there's no way in the world that could apply to me. Or, there's no way in the world that could really be true or that I could really do that. And again, we're not talking about obtaining or maintaining right standing before God. But what we're talking about, church, is being serious about seeking God's heartbeat, seeking His face. And that's why the all too often overlooked gift of the Sabbath is monumental. We could do an entire sermon series on this topic, but this morning we're going to look at it from a brief devotional point of view. And so we're just going to hone in on two key verses. Verses 12 and 15. Verse 12, observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. And then verse 15, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. So what would it mean for us as a church family, as individual families, as as singles? What would it mean for us to observe the Sabbath or or keep the Sabbath? Look, Look back again at verse 15. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and outstretched arm that's what it looks like it's remembering and and not just a simple passing remembrance like oh yeah i remember her yeah i remember when we we went to disney it's a dwelling on a, a meditating it's a soaking remembrance so, a couple of weeks ago, as I, as I began just kind of thinking about this idea of, of Sabbath, I, I was listening to a sermon by a guy named, a pastor named Mason King, who's a pastor at the Village Church out in Texas. Um, and he gave this definition of what the Sabbath should be. He said, It's how we remember and rejoice that God is our maker and we are his people. And I would add to that, how God is our maker and sustainer. You see, we, we all too often feel like we are our sustainer. That it's up to us. We have to do or accomplish or whatever. And the Sabbath is a pause for us to remember that that's not true. That we're not our sustainer and to remember all the ways that God is. It's like what Troy talked about last week. That The bigness and the sovereignness of God yet combined at the same time with His nearness and closeness. Keeping the Sabbath is not simply showing up to church on Sunday. I think all too often our culture says that. As as part of the Sabbath, I'm just going to go to church and that's it. It's not a day off at the end of a hard work. It's an intentional time, a big chunk of time for us to carve out for the sole purpose of remembering who God is and who we are in light of that, we're all under a constant barrage of lies about who we are and who we should be. We're being discipled by the world every single day to, to believe what the world wants us to believe is most important do more, become better, make it happen. Own it, succeed, it's on you. Worry about this, control this, make sure your comfort level is here. And in all of that, we can begin to act like machines, almost like Groundhog Day, just another day of churning and doing and accomplishing. And in that sermon by Mason King, he pointed out that the Sabbath is a time to remind us that we're not machines. But the discipling we get from the world around us, from social media, from news, from our workplaces, school, events, all of that has trained us, maybe not overtly, maybe it's not going to be a big banner that says this, but it's covertly training us to doubt and distrust that God is who he says he is and to distrust that what he says about us is true I mean I think if we took a poll this morning we all would be able to say yes I know this is what God says about himself these are all of his attributes and this is what he says about me is true and yet if we were to get to the heart level belief of that that controls our actions I know for me personally it would show that I don't believe those things that's why I personally need the sabbath See, this morning isn't coming to you from a standpoint of, hey, these are all the things that I've nailed and now I'm going to come present them. This is coming to you out of a season of my life where I've been convicted that I don't do this and I know I need it and I'm not quite sure how to get there. But as a family, I hope and pray that we can get there together. That's why we need the Sabbath, to be discipled back into who God really is and who he says we are. So I point back again to verse 15. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out. You were a slave. You no longer are. We all who are believers in Christ were slaves to sin and we no longer are. And the Lord our God is our redeemer and sustainer. One of my favorite modern worship songs is I'm No Longer a Slave to Fear. And there's one verse in particular in there. You split the sea so I could walk right through it. My fears were drowned in perfect love. You rescued me. And I will stand and sing, I am the child of God. That is a remembering that I was a former slave it's a remembering of who God is and what he has done and who I am now, his beloved child. And so I guess my question is, what would it look like for us as a church family to commit to creating a rhythm of a Sabbath? What would that look like? I, I look around the room and I know a lot of your stories and I know a lot of people have, have committed to and accomplished the, uh, the whole 30 um jennifer and i tried it we called it the whole 30 minutes Um, but i know people have done that i know people have committed to the the no carb diet people have committed to exercising more and all of those things and again this is not a guilt trip saying well if you could do that why can't you do this but what it is is saying that anything positive requires a commitment maybe a community church family family commitment So what would it look like for us to commit to that as a regular rhythm? And I'm not talking about just taking a day to sit on the couch and rest. I'm talking about families carving out a day each week to unplug, to really unplug, to put the phones and the devices down for one day each week to eliminate the mind-numbing distractions that we so easily turn to. Carve out that time for the sole purpose of remembering. That could look like meals with friends, meals with your community group, um, where Jesus and his work in us and through us is the sole topic of discussion. It could look like family walks where we just marvel at God's bigness and his goodness. Maybe it's reading a book that stirs your affections for Christ or an extended time of listening to worship music and hymns. Maybe it's an extended time of family or or group devotional times, where again, the sole purpose is just to remember who God is and what he's done in our life. Anything that causes us to remember and rejoice that God is our maker and he is our people and that we are his people. So, Bam, would y'all come on back up? Let's admit it. We're a distracted culture. We have so much information available at the swipe of a finger, so much information on our pages and our storyboards and our feeds, yet I think if we were to admit it, we are all more tired, weary, worn out, anxious, troubled, and disconnected. We'd benefit from practicing these words from the old hymn. O oh soul are you weary and troubled? No light, no light in the darkness you see. There's light for a look at the Savior and life more abundant and free. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. Look full in his wonderful face. Not a quick passing glance and then off to accomplishing doing getting done. It's looking full. It's lingering, dwelling, remembering at His wonderful face. And then the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. So as we close, I want to ask that everybody close your eyes. And I want you to just listen to these words of God. Let them wash over you. Let them lead you to worship. As as you hear these words, if they ring true in your heart and you can say, yes, I'm experiencing that, then praise God, praise Him for it now. But as you hear these words and you're like, "I, I don't believe it. I mean, I believe it intellectually, but I don't believe it. Bear that to the Father this morning. Open up to Him. Psalm 23. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Lamentations 3. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in Him. And then Matthew 11. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So, Father, this morning, as we just pause to remember what would it look like to Sabbath, would you draw our hearts to that? Would you cause us to crave that? Cause us to believe that which you've told us is true. And this morning as we enter into an extended time of prayer and worship, if there are things in our life that are hindrances to that, that that block that out, would you reveal them to us and cause us to confess? If there's lies we're believing, would you replace them with the truth? The words that we just read, Lord, just sear in our hearts. For your glory and your name's sake we pray. Amen. So as we continue to worship, I'm going to invite you to stand. And we're going to do something... We don't often do. It's, it's a responsive reading time. And yet there's nothing for you to read. Because your part of this is just one statement. And, and the one statement in this is, He does. And so whether you really believe it, fully believe it, you want to believe it, when you hear these words, I'm going to invite you to cry out, He does. And not in a timid way. In a way that, pretend like I just said, roll tide. And what would that do to you? Cry out, he does. And then after this, we're going to lead into a worship song that's going to have the similar similar feel of this. And I'm going to invite you to to lay aside your your apprehensions and just respond and call out to the Lord. So I'm going to ask a question and your part is to respond, he does. Does the Father truly love us? Does the Spirit move among us? Does Jesus, our Messiah, hold forever those He loves? And does our God intend to dwell again with us? Let's continue to worship.